This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 6am Friday, the 2nd of September. And at least we got to the weekend in one piece. Well, almost the weekend in one piece. I'm the one, well, I'm not the morning run. We are the morning run. I'm Wong Xiaoning. And of course, today joining us is the one and only Keith Kam. The one and only. It, it's, such a, it's such a weird week, I, I, I feel, because, you know, every time you have a holiday in the middle of the week and then you come back for two days and then it's the weekend again, I'm, I'm a bit... Um, I'm a bit disoriented, especially with the fact that the 1st of September was a Thursday, the 2nd of September was uh, it's, it's a, it's a Friday. Friday, and all of a sudden you're in a weekend again. Yahoo! What are you complaining <laughs> no, no, about, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just like, you know, trying to make sure that my, my, my 3.45 a.m. Uh, alarm Rang. Is, uh, is switched off tomorrow. That's all, I, that's all I'm concerned about. You know, you can set, I mean, for me, I use the phones. You can set it for just ringing only on like a weekdays and you can even exclude like public holidays which are weekdays by the way can you do that of course oh, you okay can. i'm a tech dinosaur so <laughs> i'm not much further behind than you uh but as usual we have a very very busy show today uh 7 oh this is going to be a real hot one because tom wright the author of the billion dollar will is joining us and he's going to share his thoughts on Datin Sri Rosma's conviction and to reflect on her influence in Malaysian politics and maybe we're going to find it out going to find out where Joe Lowe is from yeah, him maybe uh, he's, he's been really really entertaining like uh, he's been very active on Twitter yesterday he and was, also YouTube have you seen his little uh, I, I did, show I did. 20 minute show do catch it I did and, and, and I have to talk, uh, thank Tom Wright as well uh, he, he actually tweeted about the fact that he's going to be on radio with us yes. this morning so yay <laughs> and then at 7.30 uh, we've, we've got news that uh, Chen Du in China is under lock lockdown. And this is reminding us once again about China's zero COVID policy. At the same time, the heat wave is causing the shutdown of key factories there. So what does this mean for the Chinese uh, economy? We're going, to speaking to, we're going to be speaking to Gary Ng, who is the Asia-Pacific economist at Netsix. He, hopefully he'll shed some light yeah, on with it for the, us. What, what are the consequences of all these disruptions? Meanwhile, at 7.45, 5G, supposed to be the killer application, right, that will revolutionize IoT. But two days ago, I do believe late late uh, on, was it Tuesday evening, it was revealed by Reuters that two telcos are opting out of buying a stake in Malaysia's SPV, which is the DMV. Um, they won't, don't want to own the assets. So we're going to talk to Alexander Wong, Managing Editor of Soya Chinchal, to give us an update. So all that and more, keep it here on BFM 89.9. 6.09 Friday, the 2nd of September, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam. I'm Wong Shaoning, and that was Money by Pink Floyd. Very <laughs> apt way to start the day on The Morning Run. Oh, we are a business station, right? We, of course we are. Um, and as usual, money does make the go world go round. Uh, but this morning, at this time of the day, we, of course, we look through all the interesting article, articles that have caught our eye. Now, this... The, every day, our intern Bernard curates a selection of articles for us to choose. And this one literally jumped out at me, right? It comes from the BBC and it's entitled um, High Discrimination, How Heightism Affects Careers. I wonder what intern Bernard is trying to tell you though. I'm short. <laughs> My boss is very short. And Bernard, by the way, is quite tall. So he's probably like, huh, maybe I'm just 
He looked down on you. Yeah, he looked down on me for a change, right? And then because for months I've been giving him instructions, do this, do that, go there, go here, cut this, cut that. Why did you do this? Huh? 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 And then he's like, huh, you short woman, shut up. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's sounding on a good day. <laughs> yeah, on a good day. On a good day when I've had enough coffee and enough rest, right? And I'm not barking away. But I found this interesting and I... Because it got me thinking, did I suffer as a result of uh, being short? By the way, okay, confession, I'm like barely five feet one, uh, not very tall at all. Not exactly very short by Malaysian standards, thank goodness. But clearly, I wished all my life to be taller, right? My go- there are friends who tell me they're still waiting for me to grow up. And I'm probably going to tell them that sadly, that's not, not going to happen. But do you think it is true that people do suffer discrimination because of their height? I, um, I haven't actually come across that. But then again, I come from a privileged position Excuse due to the fact me. that I'm 5 feet 11. And, uh, uh, oh, well. <laughs> just slightly above uh, Malaysian average. I'm sorry. Average. I'm sorry that you have to look down at the rest of us, you know. I, I'm very careful at how I pick my words here at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, do you think it's it's just just using your best estimate possible, Keith? Do you think it's it's a... This article is true? I, I don't see it so much in Malaysia because, uh, I mean, our average heights, uh, well, for females, it's 5'2". Uh, the average height for females is 5'2". Only 5'2"? So, yeah, so 5'1"-ish, I don't think it's a, it's a problem. I mean, Sheila Majid is 5 feet 1, 5, five feet nothing. And boy, can so, she sing. Exactly. So I, I don't think your, your height should have anything to do with it unless you are working in a... Modelling. But then you won't be a model, right? Well, not so much modelling, but... Or a basketballer, you won't be a basketballer either. Or, or even in a in a in a in a restaurant or a cafe where you mm. need to reach things up on top, you know, in, in a in a in an That's emergency situation. That's what stools are for. Well, true. <laughs> See, I don't have that problem. Shut up, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I think what's interesting about this article is that it it uh, cites certain statistics which I find fascinating. One of which is because it's in reference to. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's widely quoted survey of Fortune 500 CEOs in his 2005 book. Apparently in the US population, 14.5% of all men are 6 feet and over. But among CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, that number is 58%. So I think he uses this as a basis to argue that yes, there is some discrimination when it comes to height because there's this assumption that when you are this tall, you're a man of leadership. And apparently, women on the other hand, if you're too tall, you suffer discrimination because then you look too intimidating. But seriously, there's there's so many forms of discrimination, right? I mean, it's not just height. It's weight, it's gender, mm. it's race, it's culture, it's religion. The point is that we as human beings, right, how do we move away from this where we have preconceived notions about what someone is just because of the way they talk, the way they look, what religion they practice, the colour of their skin, whether what gender they are. I remember we had a conversation about uh, different types of accents that, that might or might not uh, affect your, your promotion. Your career, yeah. yes. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I just have one thing to say about the accent thing. It's just that you know, if someone speaks to you with an accent, it just basically means they know one more language than you do. And I feel always that that is always uh, an asset. But as for this uh, height discrimination, yes, we have uh, gender discrimination studies that have been going 
going on for, for youngs. I think this might be an, a very interesting study to, to come up yeah. with. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the article does tell us one very important thing, right? As long as people still believe that success, leadership uh, comes in a particular look, form and shape, then the discrimination will always continue. So the, the change has to actually come from ourselves, that we accept that there's no such thing as to a perfect shape or size or look of someone that is successful. And then only, perhaps then society can also change, right? Because it comes from us. Uh, but let us know what you think. Uh, you can, of course, tweet, tweet in. Our handle is at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp in 018 uh, Let us know what you think. I'm very curious from a... From the sh- from this height perspective, well, give uh, us the long and short of it. Yeah, right? literally, uh, but tall and short of it. <laughs> but we'll be back after these messages, so keep it here. BFM eighty nine point nine, and that was the boy with the Arab strap by Bell and Sebastian. It is eight twenty Friday, the second of September, and you're listening to Morning Run with Keith Kam, and I'm Wong Shaoning. Now, this article. <laughs> wasn't chosen by me albeit it's about one of the things that I do quite like I would put it out there I'm going to confess um, and you know what's ironic about this Keith you chose this article yeah. without me without knowing that I had actually sent this same article to the entire team uh, at about 3-4 o'clock in the afternoon when I saw it on the Bloomberg terminal so Keith tell people what this article is all okay. about so uh, I mean one of the reasons I picked this article is uh, I mean just like you I love handbags also I mean I like looking at them I you don't actually do? use them yeah I really do I, I okay, really do. okay. Um, I, 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 I do appreciate the the craft, the uh, artisanal uh, ideas that go behind um, each uh, each of these these handbags. Um, mm. Karl Lagerfeld is one of the the greatest designers. Um, anyway, I, I picked this because it was just it was it came out at at, at uh, two p.m. Um, on the first of September um, yesterday. Around the same time, and somebody got her verdict, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I thought it was just I don't know if it was if it was Bloomberg being shady, but you know, it is what it is. It, it talks about how you know the uncertain and volatile mar- market conditions are these days that making your decision on on how and what to invest your money in is becoming increasingly difficult. So they are basing this study on on this website called The Business of Fashion, which incidentally is a a great website to check out because they highlight um, uh, a lot of fashion-related industry business dealings. and Yeah, because it's, it's, it's huge. It's a $100 billion it dollar business, right? Exactly. I mean, that's predicted to be, excuse me, to predicted to be a $100, $100 billion dollar business by 2026. Yeah, that's yeah, that's for that's for handbags, actually. Mm. And um, I mean, just for comparison, the rubber glove market is only about $16 billion a year. The palm oil market is $64 billion, So handbags are the way to go. <laughs> but that's only if you can afford it because the uh, entry point for uh, the entry entry level bags are not exactly cheap. No, and they're not. And the handbags have gone up incredibly mm. over the last wow twenty years. I, I I remember buying my first designer handbag, and based on that salary when I, when I was a graduate, is affordable. But now it's like housing; it's just not affordable anymore. So uh, the this Credit Suisse study showed that Chanel handbags rose in value twenty four and a half percent from the previous year. Just one year. Just one year. And yeah, if you yeah, have yeah. a Karl Lagerfeld, because he passed away in twenty nineteen, so there's no more designs from him. Um, they are worth even more. So Credit Suisse says um, handbags have annualized volatilities of two and a half to five percent, with mid 
single digit returns. So you know, if that's the way you can, if you can afford it, then just go, just go for it. But also the but caveat you need to is that keep the bags yeah. in pristine condition, right? So mm. you do need preferably to look, with the tags as well. Yeah. So at the end of the day, then you can't really carry it because if you have to keep the tags on, what are you going to do with it? Just sit down, admire them, and go, my precious. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things where I think people look at alternative investments, and it could be just you know this article is about handbags, but there's so many alternative investments out there. People collect watches, for example. Mm. But recently, I saw, I read this Financial Times article. Because of the slowdown in China, some watches like the Rolexes, the Patek Philips, at one time there was a frenzy of buying, right? But in the last few months, prices have come down by 30-40%. So just the point is basically every alternative investment, any investment has its ups and downs. There's risks and returns. There's no guarantee that it's a straight line up. But these handbags, actually, the prices have just been a one-way track for the last 20 years and I can personally attest to this. How many have you got? I'm not going to say on air, <laughs> but it's quite a bit. And what's really scary is because they tell you that like what, these are the 10 handbags you need to buy. Yeah, um, They named uh, the MS Birkins, the MS Kelly, uh, the, the, uh, the Fendi B- Baguette, Baguette yeah. the Louis Vuitton Keep All, the Chanel 255. Okay, you can see I'm rolling it off my tongue, right? The Bonetta, the Kelly Jody. So if you have these Hang on to them, look after them with care, and maybe just enjoy the process of collecting. It's you know, and if somebody makes some snide remarks, just ignore them. But Smell the how letter. many is too many? That is the question, right? Because there's a lady out there apparently, uh, where she had 567 handbags made up of 37 luxury bands with an estimated value of 51.3 million, and apparently this was the uh, this is according to the police because it was found in the biggest seizure in Malaysian history. Who Whose collection could this be? Just 51.3 million. That's a long way away from 970 million, I reckon. Uh, but, but that's when you were talking about jewellery. Ah, you've right. got to separate the handbags from the jewellery. So anyway, up next is the 6.30am news bulletin. And to take us there is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to the Morning Run with Keith Kam. I'm Wong Shaoning. 6.41, Friday the 2nd of September. And that song is I Need a Dollar by Aloe Black. The problem is some people need too much of a dollar all the time. I need aloe vera. <laughs> okay, that was so corny, Keith. But <laughs> turning our attention to, to someone who, who actually WhatsApped in, he says, I think this is for me, shorter people fit more things comfortably. While Keith knees, Keith's knees will be bruised from a long flight, Shaoning will arrive fresh as a daisy and literally run off the plane. How true. You are not wrong there. I, I always uh, I always kind of suffer, suffer during, during long flights. Uh, you it, see, if you had lots of dollars, you'd be in business class. So this wouldn't so be true. a problem too, right? Yeah, so if I had aloe vera, I'd have, I wouldn't have bruised knees. <laughs> Maybe less bruised knees. But um, we are looking at all the international stories at this hour. Keith, do you want to start? What has caught your eye? So uh, this, uh, I, I just want to go on that that little bit of a shady theme here. So the star featured this story. We need to play that Slim Shady song. <laughs> uh, it's foreign news section features a story about a pink diamond that could fetch over 21 million US dollars at an auction when it goes under the hammer in Hong Kong next month. It's called a Williamson Pink Star. It's 11.15 carats. It's also, uh, I'm not sure what it means when, when, when they say that it's related to another diamond that uh, Queen Elizabeth has as well. Uh, um, 
maybe it's part of a set. I I'm not a diamond e- expert, but neither it's, am I. It's, it's really I, interesting. I wouldn't say no to a nice diamond. But um, I I think given to me legitimately, <laughs> not sourced from illegal funds. But well, yes, I mean if you save your money from from since you were a child. Yeah, maybe you can finally buy that ten carat diamond, right? But I'm calling you one out. One cent star. a day, one cent a day. <laughs> but I'm calling out the star for 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 this bit of shadiness for featuring the story today. <laughs> okay, I'm turning to something a bit more serious, and that was on the back of actually yesterday where the United Nations actually reported on the human rights violations in the Xinjiang province. Now, this is according to the Singapore Straits Times. Now, China has called that United Nations report a hodgepodge of false information Mm. and dismissed its recommendations to investigate and, and redress what could amount to crimes against humanity. So, they China claims that this so-called assessment report is completely illegal and invalid and it's planned and manufactured by the United States and some Western forces. This report has already been out for some time. It's just not been released. And I think China has been trying uh, its, its dunders to... It's a 48-page word yeah, report. And, and China has been trying its dunders to, to get this report not uh, not be highlighted at yeah. all. But What's interesting is it was just released literally just minutes before the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, she retired or she resigned. Her term ended and it was just done just literally a few minutes before that. Yeah, so this report actually assesses claims of abuse against weaker Muslims and other ethnic minorities. Of course, it's something China has been denying all, all along. Yeah, but um, denying if it was truly the case... I suppose they did let her into Xinjiang, right? They did have investigations there. They did. They, yes. they did. But uh, Xinjiang is still one of the most uh, surveilled uh, regions in the mm. in the world. Um, I mean, when you even if you want to buy a, a a meat cleaver, for example, there's a QR code. So that really, yeah, so there's oh, a wow. QR code there. Okay. And and uh, if it's used for crime of any kind, it can be traced back to it's the person. Very who Orwellian, it. isn't it? It is very, yeah. Okay, and turning our attention um, to some other news, I'm looking at a Financial Times article uh, on telling us that the IMF has reached a preliminary deal on 2.9 billion Sri Lanka bailout. Now we've covered this story extensively on the uh, morning run, partially because there are actually lots and lots of Sri Lankans. Uh, there's a diaspora in Malaysia. And I think we also watch with, with a bit of sadness that this, you know, that this middle-income South Asian island can descend into such chaos, chaos yeah. and dire situation because of mismanagement from one family that basically ruled the government and seventy percent controlled seventy percent of the budget, and that's what happens when really there is no check and balance and there is massive corruption. I, I can't help feeling that there's a lot of lessons to be learned from uh, from this for mm-hmm. other countries as well. Uh, whatever it is, I hope they get out of this yeah. and we can visit it again. Yes, I know. It's, we, we talked about this, Keith. It's one of our favourite places to go on holiday. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else very quickly get, has caught your eye? Very quickly, we've got the floods in Pakistan. Uh, time is running out for the 33 million odd people affected. 33 million, that's more than the yeah. population of Malaysia. Uh, that's about a third of the country as well. Uh, so far, a, uh, a thousand, one hundred of them have died. Um, I've seen satellite pictures before and after satellite pictures of the of the floods the devastation is just uh shocking incredible right? yeah. yeah it is uh but that's all the international news for you up next 
uh, is some messages and to take us out is Lady Marmalade by Patti LaBelle. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.50 Friday, the 2nd of September and you're listening to The Morning Run and that was Lady Marmalade by Patti LaBelle. A very nice song. Nice song. Yes, I wonder who is that applicable to. But never mind, <laughs> never mind. Uh, let's look at all the local headlines and what else has dominated our headlines. Yeah, it so obviously has to be the trial of uh, Datin Sri Rosma and the judgment mm. from the High Court. So uh, it's on the front page of every newspaper, ex- except The Sun, which is which is carrying a totally different um, story, but they do have a little bit a little bit of mention at the top right-hand corner. So any of the headlines dominating the main papers is Datin Sri Rosma's guilty verdict. I, I have to call out Sina Haryan for this, though. Uh, its mm. headline is a bit of a double entendre. I don't know if it's supposed to be an intentional thing. It basically says Rosma dominasi Najib. Oh. Rosma dominates Najib. But okay. um, I'm guessing it's more about the fact that her fine is 970 million ringgit versus Najib's 210. And incidentally, 970 million is the highest ever fine yeah. imposed on anyone for, for a corruption case. I um, think what is interesting is um, the judgment. Actually, some of I'm going to read some parts of it, which hmm. I think are very, very true. And this is from the CEO Morning Brief. Uh, one of which is in sentencing Datin Sri Rosma Mansour, High Court Judge Mohammad Zaini Mazlan warned that corruption must be curtailed before it becomes a pandemic. He said that if left unchecked, the concern is that corruption would become a way of life. Corruption has reached almost every level of society. It must be curtailed before it becomes a pandemic. If corruption is left unbridled, our society will come to accept it as a way of life or business. And this was in the 116-page judgment. And yeah, I think yeah. it's very, very true. Very, and, um, very valid today. And it's, it's very important to note that uh, Zaini as well, he said, he pointed out the fact that uh, the judgment is written entirely by himself. Uh, he was actually no one referring, else can do nobody it. else does it because he was referring to the fact that uh, there was a leaked document of a, of a judgment a couple of days before the, the case actually was heard that, uh, that already said Rosma was going to be declared uh, was going to be the verdict was going to be guilty and that the judgment had been written for him so it was, he was being very clear that the judgment was written um, entirely by himself yeah uh, in the meantime uh, Datin Sri Rosma pleaded uh, for compassion during her mitigation of a sentence she said that she's a victim and it happened to me now it can happen to all of y'all your children while addressing the court after her conviction she said I never influenced my husband as a victim yeah so uh, that's that's the way it is for for her. But she is but appealing by the way, right this now. Is, yeah. So yeah. this is just the high court, right? It yeah. goes to the court of appeal, and then after court of appeal, if it goes any federal further, court. it goes to federal court. So I I won't be surprised if we do see uh, legal proceedings for this case to continue for another one two years at least. But in the meantime, do tune in at seven fifteen because Tom Wright is on air with us, and of course he's the famous author of the Billion Dollar Whale. He's going to share his thoughts on Datin Sri Rosma's conviction and. Reflect on her influence in Malaysian politics. So I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation. Also going on at the uh, High Court yesterday, which no one uh, bothered to cover because of... More interesting stuff. <laughs> Former Amno Supreme Council member Dato Lokman Nur Adam, he was charged with posting um, allegedly insulting remarks on social media. He's he's alleged to have uploaded two separate Facebook posts insulting and alleging that Prime Minister Dato Sri Ismail Sabri Yaakob had conspired with Dr Mahadev to convict Dato Sri Najib Razak. And the plot tickets. <laughs> That's all I can say, right? 
meanwhile, um, this is interesting. It kind of just went under the radar. And it's apparently we're going to have a premium visa program to attract rich foreigners to Malaysia. And this is according to Home Minister Hamza Zainuddin. So they're going to attract uh, them to come and live here for 20 years. It's called Residency Through Investment Program. It's the first of its kind introduced by the government to drive economic growth. So this is supposed to be offered to business tycoons for all countries, um, excluding Israel and those that did not have diplomatic ties with Malaysia. Now, a lot of countries practice this and there was a lot of backlash actually from the EU because certain countries in the EU like Cyprus and Portugal had systems like this and people said this is a backdoor immigration policy. Um, He says, our minister said that however, this PVIP does not undermine national security and the country's sovereignty So, and they're going to set a ceiling in terms of the number of participants. I'm really going to be curious how many people apply because if you're truly, truly rich, Actually, honestly, the world, you know... You, the world is your oyster. Yeah, yeah, you can get a passport from any other country. So I mean, why the, come to Malaysia? But they're looking at targeting 1,000 participants in the first year. The the conditions here, I don't think it's that unachievable because you need to have proof that you have you have an offshore income of uh, at least 40,000 ringgit per Which month. Which in US dollars terms isn't it's very much. not very much. It's just about And uh, fixed savings 10. of 1 yeah. million ringgit, which is when you convert to US dollar less than 200,000. So it's not really millionaire status, is it? And I think the max, the cap is uh, 1%, I could be wrong. So 1% or 2% of uh, the Malaysian population. Yeah, so let's see how many people actually apply. But that's all the local news we have for you at the moment. Uh, up next is, of course, the 7am news bulletin. And to take us out is Ain Too Proud to Back by the Rolling Stones. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.